Awesome. I firmly believe that the Lord is uh, mobilizing His people. I'm a firm believer that God has a great big plan, that He's working things through, and we've we've been talking a little bit about how God works in your own life, getting your own personal vision, your values, um, your motivation, and, and those things sorted. But I believe it's not just about you. It's because God has a bigger plan. And if we read Acts chapter 17, verse 26, it says, From one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. Can you say exact places? And so um, when you read that scripture, I think we can apply it personally. So um, to our own lives, personally. But I think if you read the NLT, you find that actually <coughs> there's a bigger plan. And I'm hoping this morning just to, to, to get our minds to think a little bit differently. In the NLT, it says, from one man he made all the nations. Can you say the nations? Uh, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. Can you say lands? And so um, God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he's not far from any of us. And so for me, I think it's more God's plan for the nations than just my individual. You know, our own Western mindset is very individualistic, me and my little family and my purpose. But actually, this talks about the nations. And even South Africa, God has put us in a strategic place. If you think about it. Um, he's determined the boundaries. He's set in place certain things so that, and the purpose is so that people can reach out for God and find Him. And so, um, you know, you think about what we've just preached for, for five weeks about Peter's life. Peter happened to find himself just at the right place at the right time where Jesus stepped into his life at, on the side of a lake. You know, in the right nation, at the right time, Jesus steps in and changes the whole course of his life. The whole direction of his life has changed because God has somehow put his master plan in place. And so it's not just by chance that we are where we are. Um, if you continue to read the book of Acts, you see that what God did in Peter's life is part of a much bigger operation. It's just one small part of a much bigger operation. And so I want to say that to you. Um, for us, we're part of a local church called City Life. And, and, and that church is not the only church in Durban. We're part of a numerous churches in Durban. There's the church in Durban. But then we're also part of a province. Uh, there are many churches spread across the province. And uh, as a province, we're part of the country, you know. So there's the church in South Africa. And God has determined the plan for her. And so you just got to think a little bit bigger to th that what, whatever happens in your life and my life is part of God's bigger plan. It re I really believe that. I can hear you saying amen. Um, as Marcel read in the prayer meeting, Psalm 33 verse 10, the Lord frustrates the plans of the nations. Can you say the Lord frustrates? You know what? United Nations, United Kingdom, United, I don't know, there used to be United Bank. That didn't last long. <laughs> but actually, God frustrates what's going on in the nations. For how many years we've been making plans to solve the problems of the world? 
and we've got new technology, and we've got breakthrough after breakthrough, but still the nations are in chaos. Why? Because God is frustrating their plan and their schemes. But the Lord's plan stands firm forever. His intentions can never be shaken. I'm hoping to put some steel in our bones today to understand that God has put us <clears throat> in the places where He's got us for a purpose. Because often we think like, Lord, if only I could... That could happen, or if that could happen. But I want to say God's got you exactly where He wants you for now. And you've got to live like that. Um, so God's plan is worked through the work of Jesus Christ. And uh, I, I want to say uh, uh, the work of Jesus Christ, we have to understand there's work that's finished and there's work that's unfinished. Let's just be clear on that. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 1, Luke writes, and he says, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all Jesus began to do and to teach. So there is work that Jesus did that's not finished. He started it, but it's not finished. And if you read the book of Acts, you see the church continues that work, and we're meant to finish that work. And then there's work that Jesus has finished. It says here, Until the day was taken up to heaven, giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he's chosen. Here's the work Jesus, remember on the cross, he said it's finished. Here's the work that's finished. The atonement for sin is done. There's nothing more we can pay for sin. There's nothing more we can do to be forgiven. Jesus did it all once forever. You cannot add to that. You cannot do more to get closer to God. It's impossible. You can't. You either accept what he's done or you reject it. That's it. Atonement, the, the, the payment for sin is done. He defeated sin and death and the devil once for all. That will never be done again. It's done. It's finished. He established the church. He gave her the keys of the kingdom. He did it. It's done. He's the foundation. He's the head. He's the one who began all, of, all that we're a part of. He's the head. He's the church, the foundation. He poured out the Holy Spirit. We don't need another day of Pentecost. He's already gone to God the Father. He's put His blood before God the Father. And God the Father has given us a gift, the, the Holy Spirit, poured it out. It's already happened. Finished. Done. Here's the work that's not finished. That He began. To build up and mature the church. All right? To take the gospel to all the nations of the world. To establish his kingdom here on earth. And you know, so some people say this, that Jesus began. We read um, Acts up to chapter 28. We read of how the early church continued. But in a way, you and I are writing Acts 29. While we are carrying on with what Jesus started, the early church did, and we're going to finish it up until Jesus comes back. So turn to someone and say, you're writing Acts 29. You're living out Acts 29. Ask them how many verses have you, got, have you written yet. <laughs> and so I love the book of Acts. And so the idea I have for you this morning is that we are a scattered people. We're a scattered people. And I know you might think, and I'm challenging our idea of church. I really am. I'm challenging it again. Because the idea of church is that we are the church and we are scattered. We're not the church is not our gathering. This is not church. This is the church gathering. 
We are the church every day of the week. Some people feel that if I come to a meeting, I've done church for the week. Tick that off the box. And I, I just, I, I, we've got to shift our mindset if we're going to fit into the plan of God. Because God's plan is not that. God's plan is almost like we're seed that, are, that, that He's scattered. He's planted. He's sown it. And I know we always think of the, the parable of the sower. And we talk about our own hearts being the, the soil and the, the word being the seed. But remember this parable in Matthew 13 where Jesus speaks about the weeds and the the good grain growing together. You remember that? And in verse 37, he explains it to the disciples, and he says, the one who sowed the good seed is the Son of Man. Can you say Son of Man? I'm a firm believer that Jesus is the one who sows my life. He determines the nation, the country, the place, the time in history, and he takes me and he plants me. He sows the seed. And it says in verse 38, the field is the world. Can you say the field is the world? Oh, you guys got to preach better than that. Tell your friend, the field is the world. That's your first point. Now you, uh, we're training up preachers. And the good seed stands for the sons of the kingdom. There we go. You're a seed. Turn to your friend and say you're a seed. You have to succeed. And so in, 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 in many ways, you see, most of us live, like, I, I've known people who for so long, like, they're grafting and they're working and all they want to do is get, a, get to that place. And when they get there, they just want to be there and then they just want to be there. I don't know whatever that means in your job or your place or your home or your kids or whatever the case may be. And I'm saying, like, you could spend 20 years living like that when actually God's planted you there, and you've got to shift your mindset to actually say, like, I'm here because God put me right here. If you're a grandparent and you're not going to the workplace, the family you're with is where God put you. If you're a student, the school God put you in is where He's sown you. If you're in business, it's where God sowed you. It's where God put you. Because the church, we're the sons and daughters of the kingdom. And the thing is, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains by itself. So I'm saying, like, if you're in that place and you're just lying on top of the ground, you refuse to be planted, you will just be by yourself 20 years later lying on top of the soil. When I'm saying, like, no, you have to die to yourself and say, it's not about me. It's actually, it's about God's plan. And how do I live in God's plan right where I am right now, the way he's put me here? Then you begin to produce. Um, that's John 12, 24. Hallelujah. Praise God. Come on now. Say something. That's so quiet in the front row. I don't know what's happened. You actually have regressed. Elred, <laughs> you got me. <laughs> Thank you. All right. You know what I've realized? <laughs> if you knew, yeah, this is a bit of our little chaos. The Lord's already commissioned the church. You don't have to wait to be commissioned. If you believe you're the church, if you believe you're a seed, you're a son of the kingdom or a daughter of the kingdom, and you believe God's sown you, you don't, have, you don't need permission from the permission from the pastor. You don't need to be hands laid on. You don't need the, Jesus has already commissioned the church. Go and make disciples of all nations. 
Matthew 28. He's already commissioned the church. He's already empowered the church with the Holy Spirit. And um, <clears throat> in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, uh, I love the message version. It says, what you'll get is the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you'll be able to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, even to the ends of the world. Wherever we are is where God's called us. He's commissioned us. He's empowered us to witness for him. The church is not a holy little huddle where we come together and hope we make it until Jesus comes back. Remember that parable. The weeds are the sons of the kingdom of darkness, planted right next to us, allowed to grow up next to us until the harvest. <laughs> the context is that God sows our lives, and, and all those that you say, like, oh, Lord, this person, that person, no, you've, your life has been sown there, live it like you're, you're, you mean it. Is that Okay. Two churches in, in the book of Acts, and I'm just going to push on a little bit in the book of Acts because this morning the idea is that you're scattered, you're scattered, you're scattered. You see that that word scattered is planted to extend, planted to extend. How's God extending his, his kingdom? How's God extending? How's God fulfilling his plan in Durban? It's, he's taking our lives and he's, he's scattered us, planted us in families in jobs, in places. Um, two churches, the church in Jerusalem and the church in Antioch in the book of Acts. Now, we have the book of Acts to see a little bit of God's plan, to see a little bit of the pattern. Hang, hang ten, Tiger. Um, <laughs> can you go back or not? Stuck, done. All right. I, I think there's two different ways we can live our church life. Sometimes, you know, the church in Jerusalem, and I challenge you to read the book of Acts. We have it written for us. Some of it's just historic facts. It's Luke is just telling the story, and he's actually done an accurate uh, uh, um, assessment as a defense in, 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 in Paul's favor of, of the preaching of the gospel. And so he, he's done a very calculated, accumulative, looking at the facts, writing down. He wrote the book of Luke and book of Acts. And so we can see very clearly how churches work out this plan of God. And I, I think there is a mentality of the church in Jerusalem that some of it is a little bit unhelpful. And then there's the church in Antioch that becomes a base church from which the gospel just absolutely explodes. And my challenge to you today is, are you sitting in Jerusalem or are you sitting in Antioch? Is that okay? And some of you are saying, I'm sitting in Durban, man. What's wrong with you? <laughs> I've been challenged because if the church, if the mission existed before the church, then the mission should shape what the church looks like. Make sense? So... Um, the church in Jerusalem, you can go read Acts chapter 1, from chapter 1 to verse 7. Remembering Jesus' last words was, go, make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything. That was his last words. In Jerusalem, uh, uh, the church, well, there was about 120 people, 
And in Acts chapter 4, verse 4, it says, Many heard the message, believed, and the number of men grew to about 5,000. Can you say 5,000? So I know, let's say there were some single guys. I don't know, but there were maybe some with children. Could we average, could we just say the church was 10,000? Do you know how big the population of Jerusalem was 70 AD? 20,000. That means 50% of the, the, the city were born again, conservatively. So let's say if that, if, if that happened in Durban, 2018, what were we, 3.8 million people? That would mean if that happened here, we'd go from a, a church this size a little bit to at least one and a half million in a couple of years. That's pretty big. And in that church, there would have been 12 guys who would have walked with Jesus, powerful leaders, gifted leaders. Um, they would have experienced Jesus firsthand. But there was a bit of a problem with the church in Jerusalem. The problem was that they were monoculture. They stuck to only those that were just like them. They only went to the Jewish culture, and they stayed in one place. And so a church that is 10,000 plus in a city where Half of the people were born again. I don't know if they caught the idea that Jesus said, like, your life is supposed to be seed scattered. You know, this morning, some of us are in Malawi. Craig is sitting in Malawi, sorting out something, across the border, <laughs> just for the day, by the way. Some of you are sitting in different cities, three different cities in the week, in the same week. You know, God, God has a master plan, and we've got to see that wherever we are right now is where God's put us. You get it? And so in Jerusalem, um, they had a strong eldership team, the 12 apostles. By the way, anyone know what the word apostle means? Sent one. Sent one. Sent one. And now you can put the map up. Thank you, sir. If you look at the geographical area that the church in Jerusalem impacted, that's it there. In Acts chapter 1 to verse 7, that's the area they impacted. And I'll show you just now from Antioch how, how big the area was that they, they influenced. But someone once said this, if you don't understand Acts chapter 1 verse 8, God sometimes has to do Acts chapter 8 verse 1. And Acts chapter 8 verse 1 is this. Stephen is stoned. Saul was there giving approval to his death. And on, on verse 2 it says, On that day great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered. There's that word, scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. I prefer Acts 1.8 to Acts 8.1. <laughs> What does, it, what does it mean? Sometimes, like, if my idea of church is just like, I just want to be in Jerusalem, I just want to be in 10,000 people, y'all, we're all the same, we're all together, I'm cozy, I don't see my life with any purpose bigger than that. Sometimes God has to just turn up the heat a little bit. Hello, no amens. All of you, including Alred's quiet thing. See, in Acts chapter 8, verse 4, it says, those who have been scattered, there's that word again, 
preached the word wherever they went. They preached the word wherever they went. They preached the word wherever they went. Were they pastors? No, they were just disciples. They were just people. And wherever God scattered them, wherever God put them, they preached the word. And then, for me, it's almost like God, if I read the book of Acts, and I read up to chapter 9 or so, I think like, I don't know if the church in Jerusalem caught it, because everyone except the sent ones stayed. We're the sent ones, we're the apostles, we're the ones that go. But everyone else went and they stayed. Do you know what I mean? I'm not sure if they quite caught the plan. And that's why I'm just saying, like, guys, our idea of church must be shaped by God's overall plan. Not by what we want it to be. Not by what's comfortable, but for the purpose it was made. Is that all right? We've got 10, 15 minutes to go. Hang in there, hang in there. I know, I'm, I'm trying to get you to think. And if you look... Uh, um, after chapter 9, 10, 11, God begins to work in st strategically in certain people's lives in the book of Acts. He takes um, a guy called Anani Ananias, who's a priest. He begins to work in Saul, who, who becomes Paul. He begins to work in his life. Remember that. He knocks him off his donkey. He says, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. And, and Saul says, well, it's interesting that Jesus said to him, I'm the one you're persecuting when Paul was persecuting the church. He gets radically saved. He comes to this guy, Ananias, who says, the Lord says to him, you, you pray for this man to be healed because he can't see, and, and you'll give him some instructions. He'll be my instrument. So there's Ananias, God begins to prepare. There's Saul, God begins to prepare. Acts chapter 10, there's Peter, God gives us vision, saying like, you know what? Uh, don't call what I've called clean unclean. You've got to reach out to the cultures that are different to you. You've got to reach out to people that are different to you. God begins to prepare the church in Jerusalem. In the church in Jerusalem, there's a guy called Barnabas, son of encouragement, a guy who's absolutely generous. He sells a field, brings the money to the apostles' feet in Acts chapter 4. I challenge you to read the story. God is pulling all these strings together because the church in Jerusalem didn't realize the purpose they existed was to take the gospel out to, to the people around them. And so all these characters God begins to pull together. And guess what? There's even... Um, so Saul, Saul gets saved, right? He goes to the church in Jerusalem, but they're a little bit clicky. They are. And they're like, ah, we know this is past. And you can read the story. Actually, Paul, for 14 years, if you read the book of Galatians, he goes to Jerusalem, he tries to connect with them, and actually they, they, they don't really have space for him. And so he goes off to Tarsus for about 14 years. He's preaching, but we don't hear about him. You can go read the history for yourself. I've done all that for you. And then there's these men from Cyprus and Cyrene, and I'd like to read Acts chapter 11 because I can see God begins to say, let me build a different pattern to the pattern in Jerusalem. Some people go to church just to find people just like them. Ah, God's going to send people here that are very different to you and to me. We better open our hearts. 
God's calling us to, to live our lives scattered. Are you getting it? Scattered, not scatterbrained. Scattered means I'm on purpose wherever I am. At the gym, at school, at the office, wherever. I'm not here by chance. I'm here because I'm scattered, I'm planted, I'm sown. And He's commissioned me and He's empowered me. And so I have to live my life like I'm somehow part of a bigger plan God's got. That's the switch. I'm hoping that will come on. So let's read Acts chapter 11 before I get too excited. Hold me back. Acts 11.20. Look at what happens in Antioch. It says in verse 20, Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus Verse 21, the Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. I love this. All the apostles are parking in Jerusalem. All the sent ones sent Barnabas. Uh, I mean, it's cool, right? I'm sure they really got the picture. When he arrived, he saw evidence of God's grace. He was glad and encouraged them to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and great, a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Can I pick out a couple of things there? If you live your life scattered, the first thing I notice is we don't even know the names of the men who started the church in Antioch. Did you notice that? Men from Cyprus and Cyrene. Wasn't Paul, wasn't Peter, wasn't any of the deacons in Acts chapter 6, wasn't Philip, wasn't, and I mean, they had powerful deacons in Jerusalem. You know? All the big names were there, 5,000 plus. I mean, who were the guys who planted in Antioch? The men from Cyprus and Cyrene. Forever it's written in the scriptures, the men of Cyprus and Cyrene. We don't even know their names. What do I mean? If you're living your life scattered, it's not about making a name for yourself. And what I love about them is they actually took the leap. They actually stepped across the cultural barrier and say, like, we're going to talk to the Greeks. Praise God for these men. The church of Antioch in Syria, I mean, they, they, if you read Acts 13, Acts 14, where Paul and Barnabas goes out and plant churches, it's from this church. Who started it? The men from Cyprus and Cyrene. Come on now. What could God do through you? Ordinary men and women from Durban. Stepping over the cult, stepping across people that have a different language, different culture, stepping across. I love it. And what they told them was the good news about Jesus. Can I challenge you? Every single one of us needs to be able to tell people the good news about Jesus. You're a preacher. You might not preach to 500. You might not preach to 200. But you're going to preach to one. You have to learn to, to tell people about Jesus. That's why you're scattered. Amen? They preached wherever they go. Preaching is not just for Sunday morning. If we see this is the place to preach, no one will be prepared to preach. Our viewers know this is us. 
from Monday to Saturday, we're telling people about Jesus. I hope you're doing that because you're scattered. The third thing I notice here is that the Lord's um, hand was with them. Isn't that cool? They were just telling people about Jesus, and somehow there was the evidence of God's grace. Somehow God's favor was on what they did. Somehow God did a work in someone's life. And so I say to the Lord, Lord, the pressure is not on me to win people. The pressure is on me to do what you told me to do, to tell them about Jesus. And it's your grace, Lord, that's evident in their life. It's your work to change their minds. It's your work to do that. But if we're not telling them about Jesus, how can we expect the hand of God to be there? And so it says here that uh, when Barnabas arrived, he saw evidence of the grace of God. What I love about this church in Antioch is that they had partnerships. They, they allowed Barnabas to come, who was a man, a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and full of faith. Can I challenge you to be that person, a good person? If we're going to tell people about Jesus, be good. Tell your friend, be good. Whatever that means for you. Secondly, be full of the Holy Spirit. Tell them, be full of the Holy Spirit. Be full of faith. This is becoming very simple for me. God's plan is to take ordinary people, full of faith, full of the Holy Spirit, good people. People who are prepared to cross the boundary to other people who are different to them. And to do what Jesus tells them so that he can scatter them everywhere. Umlazi, Inanda, Town, Newlands, Phoenix, Sunningdale, Durban North, Bluff. He scattered his seed. Isn't that cool? And who knows what he's going to do with them. But our job is to say, Lord, you've put me here. I'm going to be full of faith, full of the Holy Spirit. It says great numbers were brought to the Lord. I'm so glad it says that it wasn't that they weren't brought to the church. They were brought to the Lord because Christ was the focus. And when Christ is the focus of our life, church comes easy. So many of the church, so much of us at the church are just trying to get people to the church. We need to get them to Jesus and church will come as sick as second nature to them. Amen can see the focus was on Christ. And here comes the part that I'm hoping is in your heart. Uh, in Acts chapter 11, verse 25, let's just read that together. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. I love this. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. And so for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. And the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Isn't that amazing? Imagine Paul getting saved. First, he hates these people. He persecutes them. He drags their children out, puts them in prison. He's, he hates them. Then he gets radically saved. Now he tries to join them. And the folks at Jerusalem were like, yeah, I don't know. This guy's got a history. This guy's got a past. And he ends up in Tarsus. Like, imagine how he saw the church. He thought, like, it's quite clicky. I can't, I'm not an in crew. I'm not part of the 12 apostles who walked with Jesus. I don't have the same history. I don't have, like, I'm an outsider. And Paul will say that if you read Galatians. 
Lucky I was born out of at the wrong time. Excluded. In Tarsus, being wasted as far as I'm concerned. Now this base church begins to form. We don't even know who planted it, but it was just men who were just on a mission for Jesus, scattered. And suddenly things begin to happen, and God brings Barnabas. Barnabas would have been prepared by Peter for the Gentile believers. And he goes and he finds Saul. And he makes room for him. And he says, for a whole year, come next to me. And let's do this together. There's a different way of doing it than Jerusalem, is what Barnabas is saying. Can you see it? I think this is where Paul saw this. Honestly, for me, when I read my New Testament, I think like this is finally where Paul saw that church could be done differently. Church could be done as a base community of people with a heart for all nations. And we can actually go out, not just because of persecution, but because we are sent out and come back and encourage and sent out and come back. And that's the strategy Paul uses in the New Testament. And it's Barnabas who goes and looks for him, says, come next to me. Let's do this together. Can I ask you, find that, find, let's find the Pauls. Because part of church is meant to make space for people to be disciples and grow alongside us in the gifting that they have. Imagine the church without Paul. Well, it was Barnabas who went to find him. Did you see that? Can you see that? Turn to your friend and say, be a Barnabas. You see, a base church is a church that's inclusive. It's a church that makes room for people. Even though they have a past and a history and a reputation, we, we make room for them. We include them. We, we bring them in. We disciple them. We do things together with them. We walk the road together. Why? Because the instruction is go and make disciples. That's why we're always training. Disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. They didn't say we're Christians. People looked at them and said, this bunch of people, I don't know who started this, <laughs> but man, they're inclusive. They cross the boundaries of culture and, and demographics and everything else. They're so focused on Jesus. These are Christians. They are just like Christ. They're just like Jesus. The focus is Jesus. They always talk about Jesus. They live like Jesus. They're full of the Spirit. These are Christians. It's powerful. 5,000 plus men in Jerusalem, I never heard them call them Christians. Because there's something of the gospel being lived out here in Antioch. That we include, we make room, we walk with. Are you doing all right? For a whole year, for a whole year, Barnabas says, I'm recognized in the church. I've been in the church in Jerusalem for many, many years. But I'm, Paul, I'm going to look for you. You come with me. You stand next to me for a whole year. We do this thing together. And you learn there's a different way of doing church. I don't think Paul understood this until he got here. 
And then for the very first time, and I'll land with this in Acts 11, verse 27. During this time, this is all still Acts 11. I know I've gone fast, but uh, go and read it. Will you read it? Acts 11. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. So you see, like, the translocal gifts begin to work with this church now. They're not independent. They're not on their own. These guys come. And one of them named Agabus, Abacus, Ab- Ab- Agabus, stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread through the entire world. Now imagine if someone got up here today and they said, like, guys, South Africa, there's going to be a famine. I think most of the church would be like, yo, guys, we've got to look after ourselves here. We'll make sure we're okay. This church, and I love it because it says here, it's the entire Roman world, verse 29, the disciples, notice, not the leaders, not the elders, not the apostles, not Paul, not Barnabas, the disciples, each according to his ability, decided to provide help for the brothers living in Judea. These guys are helping the other guys now. And they did this, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. Do you know this is the first apostolic journey in the book of Acts that was not because of persecution, because of any, like, you know what I mean? I know Philip preached and then Peter and John went down there to see what was going on. Barnabas, they sent him to see what was going on. Now, for the first time, prophetically, the church is on the edge of what God is doing. It's phenomenal. They're saying, let's send because of the prophetic word of God, not because of persecution, not because there's a need, not because there's a problem. And the disciples said, we've got to do something. And that becomes the first of many trips from this base church in Antioch. Where they decide, we've got we to do something. We've got to help. You know, the famine's everywhere, but we've got to help. We've got to be a church that exists not only for the benefit of ourselves, but the benefit of others. Let me land there. I'm challenging us. In the church in Jerusalem, we might be sitting saying, like, you know what? This is great. Let's just get bigger. Let's get better. Let's get more comfortable. Let's have more things that can attract people to come. Lord, we want people just like us, people who talk like us, laugh like us, speak like us, act like us. Or we can be like Antioch and say, Lord, you've scattered us. We're a scattered people. To reach across. Can you stand, please? I'm going to do things differently. Please stand. Since we're doing everything different this morning. There's a profound mindset shift here that I'm talking about. And I, I am, if it makes you uncomfortable, I apologize. But Acts chapter 1 verse 8, he's given us power. You know what? Even at school, even at school, you're scattered. You're scattered. Wherever God's put you. 
And it's not like you have to try harder and do more or whatever. I feel like, like the Lord just saying, like, open your mouth. You know what I mean? Be a good person. Stay full of the Holy Spirit. Stay full of faith. Open your mouth. Tell people the good news of Jesus. Just tell them. And I feel like a lot in the next season, I, oh, I'm believing, I'm trusting God, and I'm speaking, and I say it publicly, I'm declaring that the Lord is going to bring in people into the kingdom of God, believers. Many will be brought to the Lord because of us. This was ordinary people, men from Cyprus and Cyrene. Ordinary people. wonder what that looks like. What it could look like. Could you just close your eyes for a moment? Lord, thank you for the privilege of being the church. Thank you that whatever you do in my life, in our life, individually, is part of a bigger plan. Thank you that you're frustrating the plans of the nations so that your purpose can be, can be done. Thank you for the finished work of Jesus on the cross. Our sins are washed away. The church is established. Not even the gates of hell can stop that. You've poured out your Holy Spirit, Lord. Sons, daughters, young, old, men, women. It's done. We can receive the, the Holy Spirit as a gift now. But Lord, the work that is unfinished, that you began to do and to teach, of maturing the church, building up the church, of taking the gospel to all nations, Lord. Of establishing your kingdom here on earth, that people will look and say, that is, I see Christ, I see Christ, I see Christ. That's an ongoing work, and it's an unfinished work. And our lives are part of that plan. We're not working to earn anything, Lord Jesus. You've done it all for us. Pray, open our, open our mouths, open our hearts, open our minds to understand this. Lord, let us be like the church at Antioch. Let us be encouragers. Let us be generous, Lord, like that church. Saw other people's needs. Said, we're here to be a blessing to our city, to our communities, to the people around us. Not because the leaders say so, not because the preachers and pastors say so, but disciples, followers of Jesus, seeing Jesus' heart and showing it off to the world. Can I ask for us to raise our voices together for a minute or so and pray for our city, Durban? There are many people I know and you know that don't believe in Jesus. Can we just pray together? It's, this is a wonderful thing we can do. And just pray if you know family that don't know Jesus. Can we pray? You're in that family for a reason, for a purpose. We, we, we've got to trust God. At least pray. Lord Jesus, we pray for our city, Lord Jesus. We pray for those at our workplace this morning, Lord, where you've put us. Those in our schools, in our class, Lord God. Those in our, in, in our office, Lord. In our organization, Lord God. In our in our, uh, our neighborhood, Lord, in Jesus' name, oh God, will you, will you break in? We'll, we'll let, just let the hand 
of God move in their lives, I pray in Jesus' name. Lord, give us the power to live lives, Lord, that they would ask the questions. We trust you, Jesus. You draw them to the Father, Lord. But we're not satisfied living in a city, Father God, where, where, where so many don't know you. Lord, we see in the book of Acts, up to a half of that city in Jerusalem, God, uh, instantly the kingdom of God broke. If you did it then, you can do it again, Lord God. You can do it again. You can start with a group like us, and you can, you can do it, Lord. It's not impossible. We, we read this in the book of Acts, and we say, yes, Lord, do it again, Lord. Our lives is like Acts 29. Do it again in our day, in Jesus' name. And then, Lord, if there's any judgment in our hearts, honestly, will you forgive us, Lord? Honestly, Lord, we live in a very divided world. We live in a segregated world that is looking to pick sides all the time, all the time, forcing us. Lord, your kingdom is for all people. Let us never, ever, ever carry judgment in our hearts, Lord. Let us not exclude people. Let us not write people off. Just work in our hearts, please, Lord. We're your church. God so loved the world. So loved the world. Let us love the world the same way, we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, can do a louder amen than that. God bless you. Please stay for cappuccinos. Have a good week. Awesome. We'll see you on Tuesday at the prayer meeting.